Strategic Healthcare Partners, founded by principals John Crew and Mike Scribner, operates from offices in Savannah and Atlanta. Our diverse team prioritizes clients, ensuring we fully understand their needs. As your business partner, we are an extension of your professional identity. SHP tailors services to your individual needs, offering flexible pricing structures. From IPA management to financial analysis, we're here to empower your organization. Visit shpllc.com for details. Welcome to Beyond the Stethoscope, Vital Conversations with SHP. I'm your co-host, Darren C. Higgins. On today's episode, Jason Crosby finishes his interview with me. As you may recall, in our last episode, we talked about the final rule that was recently released by CMS, the 2024 Quality Payment Program, or QPP. Today, we'll finish up discussing all the changes that the program will see for APMs and ACOs, in addition to the traditional MIPS. We'll also dive a little bit into the exclusion windows that are quickly closing. Are you ready for this vital conversation? Let's get started. We've got some backdrop. We got some history. We know we've got to choose from 16 of them. Now we know what specialty, depending if I'm a GI doc or whatever the case may be. Now let's get into the weeds a little bit. Uh, Explain a little bit how how it works exactly. Yeah, so I've kind of hinted at it. Um, inside each MVP, there will be pre-selected quality measures, improvement activities, cost measures that are applicable, and then what they call the foundational level, and that's the promoting interoperability, and then a new foundational level that they're calling population health. We'll cover that here in a second. So. Let's go back to the optimizing chronic disease management MVP as our example, because it's a little easier to say. So inside that, if you look inside that MVP, you'll find nine quality measures. You get to pick uh, four of those nine. So right now, if you're doing ad hoc, you have to choose six. This fewer to pick from, or if you're a small practice, so you have 15 or fewer clinicians, you only need to pick three. So that's great. Then you pick one high-weighted or two medium-weighted improvement activities from their approved list. Uh, again, it's it's kind of a, a curated list of things that they think a practice in this specialty or this MVP would be doing. Then, of course, the promoting interoperability, assuming you don't exempt yourself from it. And then you have to pick one population health measure, which population health measures are a new thing in terms of definition but they're not new in terms of what they are. They're quality measures that have the population health category attached to them because each measure has its own like family that it lives in. So these population health measures, these will be done automatically through claims data. So they're gonna be looking at it from a claims level. And so you don't need to submit an extra, like an extra quality measure. So that's that, that's nice again. Administrative burden lifted just a little bit. That can be overwhelming, I guess, I, um, particularly if I'm not as acclimated, perhaps. So <laughs> break that down a little bit. Why should I not feel overwhelmed? Why does that not sound like a lot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Well, it, it sounds complex, um, but it actually really is more simple than it is today. Like I said, this is a smorgasbord. We have this huge menu. It's kind of like going into Cheesecake Factory, and you're just completely overwhelmed when they hand you a, a menu the size of the phone book, right? M- imagine trying to pick that every year and go through that every year. Well, that's kind of what you've had to do with, with QPP. You've had hundreds of measures, uh, hundreds of improvement activities, and then hope and pray to God that the right cost measures are associated to you because you have no control over that. And so all of that worry kind of goes away. You're instead offered a smaller menu. Again, about nine or so, and it depends on the MVP. Some MVPs have an even smaller list of quality measures. So you have this nice little small list to pick from, and you can be hyper-focused on those things, so it should be less overwhelming. I like that. A little comfort there. A little comfort. All right. <laughs> I want to go back because you mentioned a buzzword we hear way too much, but it's new uh, to us on in terms of the MVP. You mentioned the new population health measure. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So to expand upon that, there's there's a handful of population health measures that exist today. So if you wanted to, and you can, you can go out to the QPP portal, you can pull up the list of all the quality measures, and you can look in the category, and you can look for population health. It'll be those measures they will be pulling from for the MVPs. And again, these are going to be based off of claims data because they're looking at more than just just your care that you provide. They want to look at the care of the patient as a whole. So it's more... It's almost more like a cost measure than it is a quality measure, and that's why they're giving it a new name, population health measure. So you get a pick. So unlike the cost where you don't get to pick which ones, you do get to pick which one that they should look at for you. But you yourself, you don't need to do anything, and it'll all come from the claims data. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes it a little bit more easy to uh, to digest. All right. Now let's switch gears a little bit. If someone does want to participate in MVP, either as a volunteer group, practice, or a clinician, how do they go about doing so? Well, the self-nominations, by the time this is heard, again, it's closed. It closes at the end of November, and that will be the case for next year as well. So my recommendation, if you're hearing this for the first time and an MVP sounds interesting, you want to participate as an MVP, fantastic. CMS would love to help you. But the nomination window isn't going to open until the summer. So take a look at the MVPs, see if there's something that you want to participate in in 2025, and start maybe modeling towards that. Maybe for 2024, those are the measures that you you submit in your traditional MIPS are the same ones that will be in your MVP. Use 2024 as that transition year. Again, you have a few years before it's mandatory, but I would suggest you get on board now. There's some benefit to that. Oh, good advice. Good advice. Okay, let's switch to another three-letter acronym here. Uh, what about those of our listeners who are in an APM, an alternative payment model, like an ACO? Has CMS changed anything with those entities? Yes. So um, I, I suspect most of the listeners who are in an ACO or some kind of APM, um, there's not a whole lot changing, but it's an it's enough to to cover. But also those who are in traditional MIPS should continue to listen to. Don't just turn turn us off or skip to the next podcast. Uh, we got kind of a lot to cover. Um, so of particular interest, certified EHR technology, or what we call CERT, or CERT, um, 
that has changed and, and it was confusing the you would get like you have to have a 2015 cert um well i mean it's it's 2023 2015 that was just a year that the certification was made and didn't necessarily exactly reference the fact that the last time the ehr was updated it got to be very confusing so cms has said no more of that instead if you want to participate in an apm an hco or traditional mips you instead have to have a minimum version certification which will be maintained by the office of the national coordinator for health it called onc onc has always done the certification so that's not changing but going forward, they will now be the lone decider of what is a valid version of the EHR for QPP participation. So what that means, they're doing away with their own versioning system anyway. They're, they're dropping the year from the certification number, which again, it makes sense because it was really confusing. Instead, they're going to a new numbering system and they, they there's a whole release all about that. We won't get into that here. Um, and now CMS will just point to ONC and say, whatever version they're saying is the version you need to have is the version you need to have for QPP. So that that applies to everybody who participates in any form of quality. They need to have whatever the latest required certified version is. And I would recommend that you uh, pay close attention and stay up to date on your updates. Um, furthermore, 75% of the participants in an ACO or an APM must be using uh, CHERT. And, and the reason for that is you had a lot of APMs or ACOs that had providers not on EHRs at all. They were on paper charts or they were on some really kludgy home-built system that wasn't certified. And it kind of became a haven for those who were resisting converting to digital charts. CMS has said no more. 75% uh, was the old number. And now in order to participate in an APM, it must be 100%. So that that could be big. If you're a practice hiding out in an ACO, still using paper charts, you will no longer be allowed to participate in the ACO. So bear that in mind. That's a, it's a major uh, decision point. That's for sure. Wow. All right. So yet another thing to keep track of, right? I mean, I've heard you say this over and over, and I'm sure those that are listening have listened to you before, have heard you comment. So is this just another thing that the practices, the admins and the docs have to keep track of with regards to the EHR version or what? Well, yeah. So certainly talk to your EHR vendor. Uh, make sure you have the latest and greatest of the CHERT. And before you submit, and particularly before you enter certain reporting periods, particularly around uh, promoting interoperability. So by June, you need to be, make sure that you are using whatever the latest CHERT certified version, EHR, you know, what have you, is running because that's the promoting interoperability is tied to your CHERT version. So probably a good idea as you're listening to this, get in touch with somebody in your office, get in touch with your vendor as Aaron is suggesting, see where you're at, kind of get a game plan together so it's not last second. All right, any other ACO or APM updates that you want to tell our audience about? Yeah, so this one doesn't apply to traditional MIPS because you already have to do promoting interoperability. Now going forward in 2025, so you have one year to get used to it, anybody participating in an APM must also report promoting interoperability. 
Some ACOs, some APMs have been exempt from that for whatever reason. That goes away. So just reach out to your uh, APM coordinator or your ACO coordinator and ask them, are you reporting, promoting interoperability, or do we have to do that? Uh, that way you can be prepared by 2025. Let's re revisit. In past years, CMS has offered an, an incentive payment on the APM side, uh, typically about 5% of the clinician's estimated payments, from what I understand. How has that changed at all? Okay, yes, it has changed, <laughs> but I needed to find something first. You know, it, it's that alphabet soup. So when a clinician participates in an APM, they receive a designation called Qualified Alternative Payment Model Participant, or as we abbreviate it, QP. That makes it easy. So this process is not going to change. It was in the proposed rule. Uh, it was taken out. So they were going to actually make it harder to become a QP. Um, they're, they're changing it. Uh, so those who are QPs now will stay QPs. Um, and those who meet the requirements can still follow the process that exists today. So clear as mud, I'm sure. Now, the incentive payment made to QPs is going to change. So right now, reporting year 2023 means payment year 2025, because we report our data in 2024, it's evaluated and released in June. So you don't actually start receiving that 5% incentive until the following January 1, 2025. Got it? So they're doing away with that. So 2023 is the last year of that 5%. You're still going to see it in 2024 if you qualified for it last year, or if you're doing it this year, 2025. So any new QPs starting January 1, 2024 will not see the incentive. Instead, into performance year 2024 and beyond, existing QPs will still receive a higher Medicaid, uh, Medicare, pardon me, fee schedule, uh, so the PFS, called the qualifying APM conversion factor of 0.75% compared to non-QPs. Non-QPs will receive a 0.25 Medicare PFS update which will result in a differently higher PFS payment rate for eligible clinicians who are also QPs. So you can be an eligible clinician, participate in an APM, and still also receive some of the MIPS incentive payments is what it's saying here. So you, you can not double dip, but you can be double incentivized. Eligible clinicians who are QP for a year will continue to be excluded from certain MIPS reporting and payment adjustments for the year. So that's, Again, clear as mud, this is the change that's coming. If you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, it probably doesn't apply to you. <laughs> well, it's it's too bad to, to see any incentive go away. You know, um, that's something that's been influential for some folks, so it's too bad to see that going away. Yeah, I, I hate seeing it, but it's been around since 2019, and we we know Washington, they, they take away all the toys. That's right. <laughs> all right, I know we've, Throwing a lot out there, uh, but what else, any other updates or, or takeaways that folks need to know about as, as they listen to this going into the 24 year? Yeah, so we didn't talk about exemptions or exclusions uh, from the various categories, but you are quickly running out of time to file for those if that is something that you qualify for. So if you've had a qualifying extreme or uncontrollable circumstance, you have until January 2nd, that's Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024, to exclude yourself from MIPS 2023. 
there's a whole list on the website. It's qpp.cms.gov. And you can go and you can click on uh, the exclusions tab. There's a link on the bottom of the page and you can see if you qualify. So things like tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, fires, natural disasters, those sort of things uh, can qualify. Other things don't. So if you, let's say you have a ransomware attack, that may not qualify. So, so be aware of that. So if you miss a significant chunk of 2023 and you can't hit your 75 points, look at that. That doesn't mean, it, it means you're not gonna get a payment. So you're, your incentive is zero, but it's better than getting docked for it. Now, the same goes for the promoting interoperability performance category hardship exemption. Um, there are certain criteria you must meet. And so if, if for whatever reason you meet that, you want to get a zero on your promoting interoperability, but you did fine on everything else, you can claim that. And I'll put a link in the show notes specifically to that so you can go there and find out. Now, that being said, small practices, which traditionally are 15 or fewer clinicians, according to CMS definitions, has traditionally, uh, for the last few years, been exempted from promoting interoperability. So you could go and you could apply and you could say, hey, I'm a small practice. Promoting interoperability is too difficult for me to achieve. CMS started doing that a couple of years ago. They haven't said it's going away, but they also haven't released the uh, exemption form for that yet. So be on the lookout for news if you're planning on that. CMS hasn't said anything, so mm, I wouldn't bet on it. It may be going away. So just just bear that in mind. Wow, uh, that's a lot to keep track of. I know we probably have we've overwhelmed <laughs> some folks, but uh, that's again why we record this, right? So anyhow, <laughs> great information, great conversation, Aaron. Uh, every, you know we've done this for a couple years in a row. I'm sure folks find it helpful. Uh, really good uh, information as f folks, as Aaron suggested, uh, feel free to look in the show notes for references. I uh, want to thank you all for listening and also to our guest and my esteemed partner in crime, Aaron, <laughs> who took a lot of time out to prepare for this and to present. And I wish you all a wonderful day. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, you're welcome. You have a good one. You've been listening to Beyond the Stethoscope, Bottle Conversations with SHP. This has been a production of Strategic Healthcare Partners. Your hosts are Jason Crosby and me, Aaron C. Higgins. This episode was produced and edited by Nyla Weeb. Our social media content producer is Jeremy Miller. The transcribers Heather McKnight and our executive producers are Mike Scribner and John Crew. For more information about SHP, the services we offer, including the back library of episodes, episode transcripts, links to resources that we discussed, and much more, please visit our website at shpllc.com slash podcasts. Thank you for listening. Analytics. Lacking the tandem of actionable reporting with expert analysis? Not confident in the knowledge of your reporting system? SHP's expert analysts transform data from your EMR system into actionable insights. Understand your facility's performance, control outcomes, and enhance patient experience. As payment models shift to value-based care, our guidance can improve your bottom line. Visit shpllc.com for details.